I know your story. I've read it cover to cover. And I know the storms that will come. The waves will swell and the sky will darken. Though you'll fight against the current, you'll be swept away. You'll feel helpless and abandoned, and you'll wonder where I am in the midst of it all. I know this isn't the way you thought our relationship would work, but my plans are not for my comfort or yours. My purposes are always and only an expression of love. The scars in my hands are proof that love will sometimes lead you directly into the storm. Though you can't understand my plans, you can trust in one thing, that I am entirely good. You can't even imagine how good I am, and my plan for you is no different. When you shout asking where I am, know that I am right behind you, with my arms wrapped tightly around you, whispering, I will never let go. For you are the pinnacle of my creation in the center of my affection. There will come a day when I will quiet every storm and wipe away every tear. In that day, there will be no more pain or death. But until that day comes, I will be your anchor in this storm. Well, um, we're all in a storm right now, aren't we? Uh, it seems that way. I just love that video when I saw it because uh, we, are, we are in this storm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, it, one storm uh, affects so many things. You've got all these waves and the different waves that are affecting some of you are just being at home with, with your kids and uh, all the time and learning how to homeschool and all the storms that of uh, your job, uh, working from home and um, or with some of you working double shifts. And um, we have all these different storms. And then during that process, you know, people losing uh, people that they loved. And I know that some of you lost uh, uh, family members uh, this week. Uh, and we're praying for you, Donna, and the loss of your sister-in-law and um, uh, Donna Dubois and uh, praying for you. And there's so many people uh, and there's so many things that we don't think about for our own church family that, you know, funerals can't happen uh, um, until after all this is over with. And all those things are storms that we have that we're dealing with. And uh, I just want to encourage you to uh, just jump into the Lord's word. And that's where we are, that it's a year in the Lord's word. And, uh, and when we go into First John uh, chapter 5, verse 13 through 24, uh, 21, we want to really just jump into it and try to figure out, well, what does the Lord have, have for us uh, in, the, in these verses? Now, you have to remember before we read this that uh, there are a lot of things that... Uh, we have to read it from a, the context of what they're dealing with. And you have to remember, we're, we're dealing with this Gnosticism. We're dealing with people leaving the church at that time. We're dealing with, uh, or they are dealing with people leaving the church at that time. We're dealing with those who said, you know what, since the flesh doesn't matter, I'm just going to continue in sin, and I'm going to go to church every Sunday. And other, or, or Saturday then, but they, they would just go, well, you know, I can live this life how I want to. 
And so as he's writing this, when we look at it, we have to look at it from that context of what he's trying to do. And I want to remind us why John uh, 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 wrote this letter. Just to go back, when we first started, uh, we said, well, what were the reasons? And it was pretty clear because John said, I've written this, I've written this. And he shares this. He says this of all that, These are the reasons. I want to share in your joy. I want to share in your joy. I also want to share in your pain. The next thing that he told us, he says, I want to encourage them not to sin. And that's what he told him. He said, man, I want to encourage you. Even though they say it's okay for you to sin and be involved in this and and still live your life for Christ, that's that's not true. We want to encourage you not to sin, to run away from those flesh things. And then he said, I want you to be on guard because uh, there are people out there, they're going to try to tell you that this is okay, or this is not okay, or this is not real. And uh, for so many years, even uh, for me as a pastor, I, I, um, I know that I've learned that people have learned these things from others, and I go, man, you've got to be on guard. Uh, uh, that's, that's not true. Or people would say, well, the Bible says, and I go, wait a minute, you've got to be on guard. That's not what the Bible says. And so also, uh, the last thing that he wanted to tell them was to know their confession and belief bring eternal life because some of them more than likely because what was going going on was beginning to probably beginning to think man if, if if this is true then my confession in Christ means nothing it means that Christ that God really didn't come into Christ and here I am confessing him the Gnostics are telling me that there's no way that God could even come into God's spirit could come into man's flesh it's just not possible so what does get me eternal life and so um uh, I know that as he begins to write, those are the things that we need to remember. So here, here's what he says. He says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? So that you may know you have eternal life. And so he wrote them that and he said, basically, everything that you've read, I want you to know I've written all this so that you would know that you do have eternal life, that Christ did die on the cross for you, that there is hope for you no matter what, and that, and that if you're in your sinful life, he still died for you, he still loves you, and you cannot continue to, do, to be in that sin. And he says, I want you to know that the reason that he, he died for you is just that we would learn how to love, that we would love the brothers. And so all those things that we've learned for all these weeks coming back, he said, I've written these to you who believe that this. And then they said, uh, well, uh, what, what, I know that, but what now what do I do? See, and that's where you have to think about it in context. So they wrote this letter, he wrote this letter, and then they said uh, that probably to themselves, well, I know that, but now what do I do? What do I do with all my friends that have left the church? What do I do with that one person that goes to church and says, well, it really doesn't matter. Uh, I'll just continue in sin. And we go, what, what do we do? Look at this verse. It says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. It's almost like he, he made a shift. It's almost, like he, it's almost like you and I were having a conversation, and I said, man, aren't these tacos good? And you go, oh, these tacos are great. And I said, have you tried them with cheese? And you go, I love cheese and tacos. And then, I, and then all of a sudden, I go, I like hamburgers. And we weren't even in hamburgers. We weren't eating hamburgers. If you read this, you'll go, here's, he, he lays this thing down and says, hey, listen, um, you have eternal life. And then he goes, hey, and listen. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. So I can imagine him thinking, if I write this, how are they going to respond? They're probably going to go, I know that, but what do I do now? And so 
For us, we have to think through, what are we experiencing? And if we believe that Christ died for us, then that experience should always bring us back to what he's, what he's saying now, that we can be confident that we can talk to him during our crisis. We can be confident to talk to him during our storm. We can be confident that he hears us. And here's where we get stuck. I even heard it in our small group a while back. It says, it says whenever we ask anything that pleases him, now, that's not in the New Living Translation. Most of your translations will probably say, according to his will. And then you would say, well, how do I know I'm praying God's will? And some people go over here and say, I don't even pray it because God's will is going to come about. Well, you can do that. And some people are going to go back and say, well, Jesus prayed in the garden. Hey, God, listen, I don't want this to happen, but your will. And so at the end of anything, I believe it's okay. Jesus did it to say, Lord... Uh, I'd like for you to heal somebody, Lord. I'd like for you to take this away. And uh, this is not my faith doubting you, but I know that you're going to get your will. So you know what? Your will. Your will be done. And so people will say, well, I don't pray this way, or I pray this way, or I don't believe that we should pray that it would be God's will because that's a lack of faith. Listen, let me tell you what you do. You talk to God, and if you didn't voice your lack of faith, it was already there, and he knew it. And he knows what to handle. He knows how to do that. He knows what to do with our lack of faith. Even though we're trying to be faithful in our lack of faith. There are, th- there are times I've prayed for healing and it didn't come. But then I go, well, you know what? That may have not been pleasing for him. You know, I want this corona thing to go away. You know? Uh, and when I look at it, I go, God, I want to see all the good things that you're doing. Man, families are eating together now. Families are hanging out together. I mean, most people are pulling away from their phones and, and, and they're out with their kids and, and they're just riding their bikes. And now we're even using our phones to get together with our family. I used our, our phones and computers to, to get with my daughter in Houston and her son, I mean her, or not son, they don't have a son, uh, and her uh, husband and Emily and, and, and uh, Dylan here and we all played a game together. It was just being together. So God's doing some good things about this. The gospel's going out like you wouldn't believe. But I want this to go away. I do. And I know you do too. I want to be back to normal. I want these seats to be filled. It's, it's, it's difficult talking to a camera. And so I have to go, no, I'm not talking to a camera. I'm talking to, I'm talking to Brooklyn and Brady who are sitting there watching me right now on that big TV. I'm talking to the Thomases. I'm talking to all these people, the Roys, all these different people that are looking but I I want the corona to go away. So I think there's a time maybe if we really believe in the sovereignty of God, God didn't make this happen. It's just a sinful world we live in. But God says, you know what? I know my will. You pray and I will bring about what pleases me no matter what. But pray, pray what you want and God will show all of us what we're supposed to do with this. What are the good things that can come out with it? Now, there are times I prayed that people who were on their deathbed, I say, Lord, take them. And God let them, God just let them go a little bit longer and it broke people's hearts. But you know what? That may be what pleased him. And that's what's most important. And I guarantee if you go back and look, if you thought it, it would have been better earlier, there may have been deep conversations that happened during those times that brought your family together. Or decisions were made that needed to be made before that person went on. And it's so sad that you have to talk about things like this. But at, at the same time, that's what he's saying. He said, listen, you know Jesus Christ, but be assured of this. You've got to be confident that he hears you when you pray. 
And when you pray, pray for what pleases him. Listen to this. It says, and since we know, uh, since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. You go, well, there he is again. How come this person didn't get healed? How come I didn't get this way? He's going to give us what we ask for. Even when the things I believe it says that God will give us the desires of the heart, and I believe that God will give us the desires of our heart, once we abide in him and we can hear those desires. And listen, there are going to be things that we ask for that he will give to us based on pleasing him. All right, Or you're going to know, yeah, he did answer my prayer, and he said, wait, even though I didn't want to wait, because that's what I needed. It says this. It says, and if you, um, uh, if you uh, let me look down here. It's a little bit too small up there. I'm in 18, 518. Uh, then it says, uh, uh, we know that one, the one who uh, is born of God sins, but he who, who, um, who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. And so what they're saying is this, says that this is what it says in the, in the New Living Testament. If, if, you, if you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray, in verse 16, and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death, and I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. Now, those of you who probably read this over and over again, you probably go, I don't understand what he's saying. There are really two options, two views of what he's talking about this sin. What is the sin that leads to death? Let's keep on reading this. He said, all wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. And so a lot of people would, who are uh, theologians that look at this stuff, and uh, there are two different views, and one view is that those who, who blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and we can... Those who blaspheme the Holy Spirit also are those who are, uh, who are the ones that say, well, I don't believe in God. Uh, who, who also uh, blaspheme saying, uh, well, you were sent down to earth to convict me, but I, I don't want to be convicted of sin. So some believe, and it has biblical mandate, that the sin that leads to death was that sin. But that was for a non-believer. What about the believer? The second view is that there are some people who believe uh, and they're both biblical. That's what's difficult about this. They're both biblical. That the unbeliever, is the sin that leads to death is the fact that he did not confess or she did not confess Christ. The second view, the, the, uh, the, the sin that leads to death, is that basically is that God will decide if a certain sin, he goes, I'm done. That, that, that's it. Uh, you may be that he, we're, we're doing more damage uh, to the body of Christ and to the walk of, of, of others' lives. I, I'm not really sure. And so really, this is something that we, we grapple with as theologians and say, well, what's the difference? Now, some people would be dogmatic and say, no, it has to do with unbelievers because that's easy to accept that, hey, uh, this just takes care of the problem. But then what do we do with this other it says, all wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. I want you to stop there for a minute. And what he's talking about is understanding this, uh, that we would see this progression in sin that would not go away. Show me somebody that's dealing with a problem or a sin in their life, and then they get out of it for three months. It's kind of like an addiction. Those who are really trying to get out of addiction will go 150 days, and they have one bad day. But then two weeks later, they jump on and they do one more. They do another year and they have a bad day. It's the same thing with anybody that's addicted to any sin and you can name any sin. And they keep going back. 
But further and further along, this progression should become wider and wider as you, because we're, we have this sin in our lives that Christ has died for, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle with it. It says, we know that God's children do not make practice of sinning for, God, uh, for God's son holds them securely and the evil one cannot touch them. That would answer the questions to say, my son or my daughter came to know Christ, but they've left the faith. Uh, they're mad at God about something. Will they, will they spend eternity in hell until, in, in, because they left God? That's not necessarily true. It could be that they're going to come back to Christ. And what secures them is what they did in that confession that they made those many years ago. We can be like the prodigal son and run off. But I believe if we've accepted Christ and we did with all our heart, listen, we will come back to him and his arms will be open to us. It says, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And we, we know that the son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know, now listen very carefully, we can know the true God and now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. Look how many times he used that Greek word aletheia. He is the only one solid, valid, and sure. Aletheia, that was that Greek word. He said, I want you to know you can be confident that we know him, that we're in him, that we understand who he is. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. In your, in your uh, translation, in my translation, New American Standard, it basically says, little children, guard yourselves from idols. Because see, for you and I, we don't have, that's where you have to put it in context. We don't drive down the road and see all this idolatry worship like they did. They would walk down their road, uh, their town, and they would see all these, these huge coliseums and these huge palaces. And then you'd pass by these huge statues that people were worshiping. Uh, and they saw them as they passed. And he said, don't fall into those idols don't fall into that. And so he wrote the letter to take care of this Gnosticism. And at the very end, he wants to remind them, hey, listen, you're saved and you know you're saved because Jesus died on the cross. You know that you have eternal life. You know that you're supposed to love the brothers, even the ones that left the church. Because we learned about that in chapter 1 and 2. You're supposed to love the brothers, even the one that sins. You love them. You help take care of them. And then he closed the letter and said, I say all this just to assure you of this. Your salvation is clear. And you can be confident that when you pray and you ask, if it's in his will, if it's his sovereign will, listen, he's going to do it. And you can be confident that he hears you. You say, well, how do I get to his will? Doing what we're doing now. Just getting to know who he is. Reading his word. Uh, coming to the Wednesday night uh, uh, Zoom groups and hearing what James has to say on how we're supposed to live our lives. Do everything you can to grow in Christ, to understand Christ. Because that's one of the, what the scripture said. He said, listen, you have the knowledge of God, the true God, and he will provide for you. Dear children, and I love what this one says, dear children, stay away from anything that may take God's place in your hearts. You know, some of you, I hope, may have had some extra time. And this is where God's saying, I want you to use some of that extra time to read my word. Oh, Lord, I, I just get so tired and I, I, don't, I can't pay attention. I'm not a good reader. 
<laughs> for those of you who know me, uh, you know I love you, but I would say sometimes we're just lazy. We will pour our heart into what's most important to us. And here you have this time, and I would say use it. Just like I told you to use this time for your family, to use this time. Some of you, man, I see it on, the, on Facebook. Some of you are getting yard work done they hadn't done forever, weeding things out. Well, how about weeding your heart? How about working on that, saying, you know what, I'm going to give 45 minutes or 30 minutes or 20 minutes to weeding my heart. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And, 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 and be careful that, you, don't, that you, you get away from things that would replace God in your heart. You know, sometimes I think that uh, the way I'm looking at it is uh, uh, that we're in a reboot. We're in a reboot. It's a, it's a word in my generation. I guess it would be a, we're restarting. You know, sometimes my computer locks down, and I, I go, okay, and I close everything down, and I just restart it, and then it works. But, you know, right before it comes, when it starts saying, hey, we're coming on, it's really interesting. These little boxes pop up that say, hey, you're having a problem with this, or this has a problem, and you can either quit or fix. And, you know, I quit those things because I don't want to deal with them. Well, maybe in this refresh, some things are going to raise to the, to the top, and instead of just saying, no, I don't want to deal with that right now, or just make it disappear, it's still there, and it will pop up at the beginning of your reboot or your refresh or your start again every time, right, until you go fix it. So what do we learn from this? Uh, here's some things that I want us to, to, to uh, know and walk away with this morning. First of all, I am of God, and he is with me all the time. That's what, that's what he said. He's a true God. You're in him. He's with you. He's, you can be confident in him. Listen, I am of God and he is with me. Yeah. I am in God and he is with me. Right? So when you're standing in line, wear the mask. Be wise. But remember this. I am in God and he is with me. It's just like that video at the beginning. It says, when you feel like I'm not there. That's when I'm behind you and I'm holding you. So don't let that anxiety come up and say, God, I'm in you and you're with me. You are with me. And while I'm with you, the next thing that I think we learn from John is God will help me understand who he is and his ways. He says, remember what he, when he wrote, he said, you have the knowledge of God. He mentioned that before, early on in the other chapters. We have this knowledge of God. We can have the knowledge there are, there are certain things Paul talked about that we can't, we can't know all the mysteries of God, but we have knowledge of God. So why not, why not get to know who he is? And when you get to know who he is and you have knowledge of his ways, then when you do stand in line and you do wear your mask, watch this. There's more confident. I'm in God and he's with me right now. He takes every breath with me. And whatever breath he to, chooses to take in his sovereignty he'll be able to handle. And that's what we need to do. And then the third thing, God's ways always lead me to truth. He used that word, aletheia, truth. God's ways will always lead you to truth. That's why when people go through an issue or somebody, they're mad at somebody or they're upset at somebody or they said something or they saw something. Y'all, you've been, you've been there before. I know I have where even you're with a group and people are talking and you see eyes meet after you make a comment or you see a little. And so all of a sudden you start to conjure up, oh, they're talking about me. Oh, y'all have never done that, huh? Oh, I do. Yeah. Or you walk up and they get quiet and you go, wow, okay, 
I think they were talking about me. If you haven't been there, it's one of the most awkward things, but you don't know what to do with it. But I'll tell you what, even though my flesh wants to say, were y'all talking about me? Or even though my flesh wants to go, I see your eyes. I don't. Even though people have been mean to you or people are upset with you or uh, uh, you've offended them or they've, uh, uh, as far as you've offending them and you not knowing about it and they offend you, it, you know what? Here's the thing. God's way, ways always leads me to truth. And so I'm going to forgive when I don't feel like forgiving. I'm going to live the fruits of the Spirit and be patient, kind, right? And the more that I pour my life into Christ, the more I'm going to know, watch this, that God's ways will always lead me to truth. And so this week, as you deal with all the things that you're going to deal with, and uh, you were going through this storm together, and there's other storms that may be going for you that a loss of a loved one, uh, or there may be a storm of a, a job loss. There may be a storm that of just the, the, oh, being overwhelmed with your kids at home and overwhelmed with homeschooling and overwhelmed. I could just list anything. Your anxieties are there. I want you to know something. You are of God, and he is with you. And God will help you understand who he is, and he will help you understand his ways are always right. And even when you question, even when you doubt, God's ways always lead you to truth. Don't fall for the lie. Remember he said, he said, listen, everyone sins. And we know that all those in the world are part of this worldly order. He, he mentioned it. He called it cosmos. And we're not talking about the cosmos out there. He was talking about this world order, this cosmos. And we're in it. But while we're in it does not mean we have to be defeated by it. And why we're in it does not mean that our attitude should be low. And why we're in it does not mean that we should be negative or not loving or not kind. Why we're in it, we should know that God is with me and God is in me. And God is somebody that I can understand. And I know how he wants me to live. And he will always lead me to truth. Well, I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to be dismissed. And uh, again, I want to encourage those who are first time here. Thank you for coming. And I encourage you to come if you're in the local area and you don't have uh, like a Bible study on Wednesday night. We have a Bible study at 6 o'clock. But you have to go to that carpentersway.com and then or get the church app and go to the community group and pick a community group. Join it, and then that lets me know to send you an email. And all of you, I will resend the email. I think this week will go even better to put you in your different rooms. And I was so happy to see that close to 60 people were going through the book of James. And, and, uh, and my, my facilitator said, man, we, we didn't get much done. We were just talking. And I want you to know, James is, was just something as a starting point. If you just need to talk and share some scriptures, and share, share some things, I believe that that's fellowship, and I believe God's happy with that. So my facilitators know that, yeah, we'll read James. I want you to read it. But if all of a sudden needs are being met, just by talking and working through and just being together with somebody, even if it is a, online in a, in a room that doesn't exist, that you're with people. And uh, if that's what you need, if you're sitting there and you're lonely, that's the night to be there. And tell them, man, I'm just kind of lonely. And let them minister to you. But if you want to sign up for that, we encourage you to do that. And then the last thing before I go and pray is this parcels of hope. I think next week we may put out a time where you can drop your items off at the church between certain times. And uh, we're hopefully going to try to make it where maybe we can uh, have some of our, our, maybe our deacons, our elders, staff, kind of get those items out of the car from you. We'll wear gloves. We don't want you to get out. 
and we can figure out when we're going to be able to put these boxes together for uh, those who need some help. I do want you to know this. Um, your funds that you give to the church, we, we have a percentage that always goes into a crossover fund, which is how to meet the needs uh, that are coming around us. And I want you to know, you may be sitting there with your kids, but whatever you gave in the past right now has already been meeting some needs. And uh, I just want you to know your money is being used to help other people, to encourage our community, uh, to just stay f- uh, focused. And our hope is after this, um, if something ever happens to these folks, that they'll know uh, that Carpenter's Way is here for them. But thank you for your giving because we're, all, we're already able to help other people. Well, I want to pray for us, and then uh, you have a great lunch, all right, and a great day, great week. Father, thank you for your provision for us. Watch over us for this week. I do pray that this corona, this COVID would go away. But I also know I'd rather your will come about because I know whatever your will is, whatever brings you most praise is better than anything I could pray or want for. But Father, I sure would like to get to know you more so that when I pray, um, I can be more confident in knowing I'm okay with whatever you decide because you are sovereign and you are good. We with all those on our medical field that are out there uh, on the front lines, protect them, provide for them. Um, We pray for all workers in the medical field and provide for them. We pray for those who are out there, uh, the first responders uh, uh, that are in our church. Father, I pray that you would protect them and and, uh, provide for them. Father, I pray for those who have had job loss and had time cut in half. And y'all believe with me, church. We're praying for one another. Father, we pray that you would meet every need, every need. And we pray that faith would just be the thing that builds up after all this is over with. We love you. And we thank you for all this technology, God, to be able to do this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. God bless all of you.